0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento B. And wow, the 49ers beat the Cowboys 23 to 17. They are moving on in the NFL postseason. But before we get to that, we have to talk about what the hell happened at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Super excited to dig into this one. Let's get into it.
2: Blue wire. Hey, this is
0: George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
3: She's car another second back inside the 30. yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. It
1: took me a long time to wrap my brain around what happened in Dallas. It felt like, like it, was this weird, it was this weird juxtaposition of like, oh, the 49ers dominated. The 49ers were far and away the better team on Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. But the better team on Sunday. That's where I'm at right now mentally. But it, it came down to the last second. Like, what a, what a wild, wild game.
4: It was not an aesthetic masterpiece. And right. It, it was, it was, I mean, you, you have to be thrilled if you're a 49ers fan with the way the first half went or most of the first half. Um, you have to be excited that you just got the win because the win is really all that matters in the playoffs. Like that's just winning, just just win and move on. Right. You don't right. really worry about Survive in advance. Happens. Survive in advance. But it was, I mean, to your point, yeah, Dallas was, they were not well coached no (laughs) shocking uh yeah a mike mccarthy team had with 14 penalties for 89 yards a lot of them of the pre-snap variety i haven't gone back and counted all of them but they had five pre-snap penalties by the midway point in the third quarter um cowboys were the more talented team they were at home and the 49ers like i thought they would be were the more physical team they seemed like the more battle tested team um they they seemed more ready for the moment than Dallas was. And the defense was just lights out. And that mm-hmm. was the best offense throughout the regular season in the NFL that the 49ers did that to conversely, like it's easy to see why, I mean, Dallas was never really tested during the regular season. Like we had KD on KD Drummond, our buddy to, to preview the game on the pod last week. And it's like, their biggest win was against Mac Jones and the Patriots in October. And it was very clear early on that the 49ers just had a different level of intensity against, against the Cowboys because they had to have those games against Houston and, and, and against the Rams coming in. And, you know, momentum is, is not easy to quantify, but I think, qualitatively you can see it right like you can see it with the with the way the 49ers were playing with the way they were executing and that ultimately was the difference but it was not easy by any stretch it was a wild game with a lot of crazy different things that happened Um, special teams still a nightmare like a A total disaster Kyle Shanahan still with questionable decisions on fourth down Um, the 49ers still not being able to fully execute late, like the late quarterback sneak with the, I don't even know if that shift was necessary. I mean, I guess, you know, moving Trent Williams to the other side, maybe provides a little bit of window dressing and maybe you get, you're you're more likely to get the Cowboys jumping off sides in that moment. And then you get the game. But the worst case scenario happened where you have a pre-snap penalty because Jimmy Garoppolo snaps the ball before Trent Williams is fully set like the Niners to your point, and And I think we said it before we came on here, like the Niners probably should have won this game in a blowout. Yes. But then you lose Nick Bosa in the first half to a concussion. You lose Fred Warner in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. And you kind of had a feeling like, all right, they're not just going to skate. They're not going to go, you know, beat the number three seed in the NFC and skate through it. Right. It right. felt like that might happen in the first half. We always knew a Dallas run was coming. What was surprising was just how many mistakes the Cowboys made. And the 49ers made fewer mistakes. And, and if you subscribe to the theory like I do, that more games in the NFL are lost than won, then then this sort of validates that. But at the same time, like, I think coming out of that game, it was pretty clear the 49ers were the better team. They were the more prepared team. They were the team that was executing better. They were more balanced um they made some mistakes too and and let dallas get back into it but they deserve the win and uh i don't i don't think anything that happened with the referees and spotting the ball late really had much to do i mean it obviously ended the game but it didn't define the game in my eyes and i think there's going to be a lot of discussion of course because it's the cowboys um but I mean calling a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left on the 40 yard line with no timeouts is just completely insane. And and I don't think the Cowboys should blame the referees for not being able to get another snap off after that.
1: Yeah. It was a well I thought it was a well-officiated game, honestly. Like yeah, there was some contact downfield. Yeah. Like there was some contact downfield on some throws where they, they kept flags in their pockets and um they the penalties they did call seemed pretty pretty obvious. I I, I didn't I didn't think the officials are going to be a problem until that, that very last play. But I want to start with the Niners defense, because if I had told you, I want to rewind to week nine when the Niners gave up 31 points to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. If someone had told you in that moment, like, Hey, the Niners are going to beat the Rams coming back from 17, nothing down to make the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, they're going to go to Dallas and hold the Cowboys to 17 points in a win. It
3: this, should have been that fewer is, than
1: that. That is, that is such a departure. Yeah, and they started one drive on the Niners 30 or whatever it was. That is such a departure from where we were at with this team two months ago. Right, like It has been such a dramatic shift from... They just lost to the Cardinals. Can they beat the Bears? Like <laughs> that's that's where we were at though. And now they're now they no, I guess it was bit, the Rams were were the next week. But I mean that's that's just kind of where we were at and now like they didn't they dominated the game but I didn't think they were great. Their run game was really good. Their their defense played as well as they've played all year. They held C.D. Lamb, who is a player I and I think anybody else would be concerned about going against this Niners team. He had one catch for 21 yards. That's nuts. To hold C.D. Lamb to that is, is extremely impressive. I actually think it was one catch for 11 yards And then he got credit on the lateral for receiving yards. I think is how that goes.
4: Yeah. So So he
1: had one catch for 11 yards, but 21 yards total. So the fact that they were able to do that with the cornerback group that they have, Ambry Thomas, I didn't even notice him today. And he was a player that three weeks ago, it would have been like, oh my gosh, Dallas is going to torch that guy. So I was... I went from and we'll have to see with Nick Bosa and and where he's at with his concussion. We'll have to see what Fred Warner's ankle injury is like. Although during the game, I am not a doctor, but during the game that didn't look good. I this is a this is a defense now that like can you can win a Super Bowl with. They played that they played that well. Like, they're not as good as a 2019 unit, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Packers aren't going to be able to just
4: rack up 40 points. The Niners defense was third in the league in total yardage and fifth in yards per play. Right. So, like, it was just super impressive. You take away Jimmy's interception, which you can't do because Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback and he's due for one of those a game. We'll get to that. And you take away the fake field goal, which was just complete like that that is just pun heinous sorry fake punt that is just a heinous mistake from josh norman
1: bro they put josh norman on the field and the
4: cowboys targeted
1: him with the punter
4: the starting defense with the exception of whoever was covering up the gunners was on the field to protect against a play like that like fred warner and eric armstead and all those guys are on the field to protect against a fake and they snap the ball and Josh Norman turns his back and just starts sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving the guy wide open. And that leads to it, a field goal. So 10 it, it was like the un- 49ers' defense actually allowed one legit scoring drive because the Cowboys got a got a touchdown off the interception and then a field goal coming off that fake punt. Special teams still a problem. Still, still a-, a very serious problem
1: huge issue robbie gold was nails today though i
4: think he had i mean
1: 53 and 51 yards and
4: guy and kicking it through the end zone on kickoffs like that's not you my guy (laughs) mitch Wishnowski has been the 49ers kickoff guy because they've thought to this point that robbie gold just doesn't have the leg to kick it through the end zone every time so yeah robbie gold Balling right now.
1: <laughs> Robbie Gold. Hey, quick winners and losers segment. Winner, Robbie Gold. Go ahead. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Robbie Gold. Um, so yeah, I mean, the mistakes, that's the thing. Like going to Green Bay, you are not going to be able to overcome those mistakes. But if you have a defense that's playing like the defenses right now, I mean, it's it's just about executing. Like, what really impresses me about the defensive line is the way they execute on their stunts and twists and two-man games and all that stuff, like Nick Bosa's sack today. They brought a tight end in to chip him. And he just completely ignores the chip because two other defensive linemen are breaking across his face. Nick Bosa goes around him, and he's unimpeded to Dak Prescott. Like Nick Bosa on a third and long is unimpeded to Dak Prescott. Think about that. Like that is... (laughs) <laughs> that is like it doesn't get that's any better wild. than uh, right it doesn't get in like that's ideal right like the 49ers defensive line isn't nearly as talented as it was in 2019 but it feels like it's at that same level eric armstead yes. is taking his game to a different level dj jones is healthy he wasn't healthy or available he's in the been 2019 season unreal
1: he's, the last two weeks he's
4: been really good samson abu cam has been solid arden key mm-hmm. is a factor still like If he's not getting to the quarterback, he's drawing holding penalties. Like, and to your point, like the secondary, we came into the game thinking like, all right, well, the Niners just somehow have to avoid getting destroyed by Dallas's receivers. Right. And like Amari Cooper, six catches, 64 yards with a touchdown. I mean, you can live with that. Cedric Wilson, five catches, 62 yards. You can live with that. Dalton Schultz, 89 yards, seven catches. I mean, not ideal, but like CeeDee Lamb was the guy I was most worried about. Same. From a 49ers perspective, right? Like CeeDee Lamb is like, you're like, all right, as long as he doesn't do what A.J. Brown did against the Niners, like that'll mm-hmm. be a win. And to hold him to one catch on five targets? Yeah. Bananas. And getting, like it's... getting an interception that led to a touchdown – obviously massive in a six-point game for k1 williams mm-hmm. so who was back after not k one who
1: and who gave up the touchdown to amari cooper
4: k1 williams gave up a slot
1: touchdown.
4: fade the 49ers were not gonna pitch a shutout so can can i talk <laughs> can we talk about your text in the first half sure Ky, so for the listeners kyle's fit fa- i don't know if it's a bit i still kind of think it is a bit
1: no it's not a bit you guys are just my friends so i i i bitch to you guys during games well so if you don't want to be my if you don't want to be my in-game sounding board cool stop talking to you guys i i I
4: am all no no no, it's fine i I very much enjoy it that's i don't think you do it's worth bringing up well it makes you're laughing at
1: me you're not laughing with me
4: No, I well (laughs) you seem very upset so it's hard to laugh with you in those situations but it was like kyle likes to overreact to things in the first half it's like a weekly thing it's like so and so stinks this guy's trash niners are in trouble this is a disaster and it's like, all right, well, let, let's just like relax a little bit. And you were not not at all happy with Kwan Williams after he allowed the touchdown.
1: I, I like, swear you know, to God, he gets beat on one slot fade per game. It happens.
4: Yeah, I mean, as somebody who watches the tape, you probably know,
1: dude, just grinding it,
4: just grinding the tape. But so I was like, Kwan Williams stinks. I was like, all right, there's Kyle's first step, <laughs> over, overreaction text, and then he comes back and and has an important interception. Um no but it's i stood by my take (laughs) yeah i mean fair jimmy ward probably should have caught that interception that with that deep pass i mean somebody should have but i mean ambry thomas solid
1: was had good coverage on that
4: play yeah why thomas has just been solid and so hey can i real quick yeah go for it ambry thomas
1: solid Once again, a guy who got some opportunities and played really well. Another guy, not a rookie, but just came up huge. uh, Jawan Jennings, three catches, 29 yards, all three catches for first downs. On third down, right? Were they all third down conversions? Yeah, yeah, all third down conversions. Yeah. Yeah, just these guys that weren't playing a ton early in the year, all of a sudden, huge,
4: huge cogs. That's what's fascinating about the the way Hmm. the season's gone for the 49ers has been really interesting to see because the offense has sort of evolved right like the season started you're you don't know that Debo Samuel's necessarily a superstar obviously because he hadn't Mm -hmm. done it yet so you're like all right maybe Debo Samuel's number two he takes a leap that I think I thought Brandon Ayuk would take Brandon Ayuk starts the season in the doghouse Raheem Mostert gets hurt George Kittle gets hurt. You're trying to figure out, man, this 49ers offense is really sort of struggling to find its footing. Midway through the season, Debo Samuel gets moved to running back. George Kittle returns healthy, and then Brandon Ayuk starts picking up the slack. And then because Debo Samuel is such a focal point for opposing defenses, you have Brandon Ayuk starting to make plays. You have George Kittle start to fade a little bit in terms of his production in the passing game. And then you have Juwan Jennings step up because George Kittles and Debo Samuel are occupying so much attention that you have another option potentially in man-to-man coverage or at least single coverage when, you know, in addition to Brandon Ayuk because you can't double everybody on the field. And this is as balanced as an offense as the 49ers have had since Kyle Shanahan's been there because of the emergence of Juwan Jennings and the fact you still have Brandon Ayuk who led the team in receiving today was 66 yards, um, five catches on six targets. And that six one was a big one. And that Jimmy Garoppolo just airmailed him. Maybe that's a touchdown, right? I think it was a third and 11 and it, would, it, it was going to be a big game. It felt a lot like the miss to Kyle use in that Tennessee game, right? Where it's just like wide open. But I mean, the 49ers, despite, what limitations they have at quarterback and and i think it's pretty clear i mean it's been clear but you're you're not going to get a clean performance from jimmy garoppolo in the sense of like all right garoppolo is gonna you feel confident that he's that he's gonna hit all his open targets especially deep ones when they're wide open and he's not gonna throw any picks like you just don't feel that ever and so that's that's the margin of error the 49ers are living in but to sort of compensate for that they just have a very good group of skilled position players right now
3: mm-hmm.
1: 16 of 25 for a buck 72 and a pick isn't going to get it done on their center
4: five of, 11, to five that of point, 11 39 yards and an interception in the second half oh yikes which is great going but, into Green
1: but but the takeaway here i don't want to talk about jimmy garoppolo he wasn't good but the takeaway for me is no there's just not a lot more to say about it. he was good in the first half. i thought he was fine he was fine. But especially down the stretch, if you had taken this stat line, if I showed you before the game, hey, Garoppolo is going to go 16 of 25 for a buck 72, no touchdowns and a pick, you're like, oh, the 49ers lost by 30. Like, <laughs> like, it would it would have, maybe not that, but you, you,
4: you probably would have thought the Niners lost. Yeah. I would have. If you told me five of 11 for 39 yards and a pick in the second half. Yeah, for sure. I'm saying I'm, I'm guessing they lose.
1: Yeah. So the fact that they got that kind of game and they overcame it thanks to what they did defensively and then getting 96 yards and a touchdown from Elijah Mitchell and 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground from Debo Samuel. I mean, that's, that was the height of the Niners formula. Like, I think Garoppolo next week will be better than he was. And it's it's like the Niners' run game working like this, and when their defensive line plays as well as it did, well, when their defense as a whole played as well as it did against Dallas, this is a really, really hard team to beat. And Absolutely. I didn't think they did anything that's not replicable. I think Green Bay is better than Dallas. But... They, <laughs> The biggest keys going in were like, hey, they're going to have to run the ball against Dallas and their defense is going to have to play as well as it has all year. And they did both of those things. I thought it was a really, really, it, not a cheap win where it was like, oh man, they were lucky to skate by and pull the upset. Like, no, they were the aggressor. They won. Flat out. Yeah. Probably should have won by more.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
4: Yeah, I agree. And, and what's really interesting about this team now is you've basically, we can throw out the Texans game because they weren't going to beat Houston, probably even with a C effort. Right. But they've gone on the road in back-to-back weeks and beat teams that were favored, that were better than them. Right. Like going to the Rams and beating them in a must-win situation, going to Dallas and beating them in a playoff game. Like, there's a lot of value in that, in just being hardened by the, the circumstances that you're in, right? Like, there's a lot of value, as as bad as it was to start three and five and have that four-game losing streak early in the season. I think it's actually served the Niners really well in that they've spent so long playing with their backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. And obviously that manifests itself in a game against Dallas where Dallas kind of skated through the entire season, didn't play any good teams, beat up on some really bad ones, and then came into this game thinking that, yeah, we're the better team. We're more talented. We're at home. Like, you know, we're our, our skill guys match up well against their cornerbacks because their cornerbacks, you know, probably aren't good or at least weren't throughout the majority of the season. But now it's like the 49ers are – in a position where they can be one of those teams that can make a run because they're just hardened by what they've gone through. And it's not, it's not the best team that always wins. It's just the team that's playing the best. And the 49ers have the horses to beat anybody. And as, as long as they don't make backbreaking mistakes, which is really difficult, like their number one task, and really difficult to count on because their special teams have been terrible all season. And Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. has been mistake prone all season. Like that's going to be their Achilles heel. It feels like, because as good as Aaron Rodgers is, it doesn't feel like he's going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and carve up the 49ers on Saturday. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if, if the Packers win, it'll probably be something like Garoppolo throwing a pick or two or mm-hmm. you know the Niners having two or three turnovers and maybe they give up a couple special teams plays or whatever mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like the 49ers are gonna go to Green Bay and be a team that Green Bay just walks over as a number one you like it feels I like agree. it's gonna be a, a, a very good game but you do worry about like can Jimmy Garoppolo grip a ball in the weather and mm-hmm. throw passes like he needs to when it's four degrees outside like it's it's a 7 p.m. kickoff local time Saturday night.
1: It's gonna be so cold.
4: It's gonna be cold. It's gonna be as uh, it it looks like it's gonna be single digits with a negative windshield. Seven <sighs> percent chance of precipitation. Um, it was
1: what? It was it was what yesterday when we were playing golf, like 43. It was like low 40s, and I hated it.
4: <laughs> I think when we when we Can got you imagine there, when we teed off, I think it was I think it was low like mid thirties. Maybe mid to high thirties.
1: I just couldn't feel my hands. It was horrible.
4: I mean, you were a little under, and, Matt,
1: and I'm trying to. You were way underprepared. Yeah, for sure. A
4: little under, I had four layers on.
1: But like, but like those guys are only playing NFL football. We were playing golf. So like, that's a wash.
4: <laughs> so you're saying, okay, yeah. So we're just as tough, like playing golf right, in thirties is gonna. Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, That's I going for. trying to trying to like feel the golf club in your hands and all that is, is difficult when it's that cold.
1: We basically know <laughs> what they're going to be going through out there. Right, right. Very but, relatable <laughs> moments coming. But but to just to a quick look ahead, when you talk about the defense and the, and the Packers being able to walk over them. I think I might have had that concern a little bit after the Rams game if they had had to play Green Bay in round one. But now that you've seen what they were able to do especially with just their front four like they didn't call a ton of blitzes and the ones they did were pretty well timed this is such a vastly different defense than the one the Packers saw in week three that was Emmanuel Mosley's first game of the year um, for for the 49ers uh, Josh Norman played a lot D'Amador Lenore had to play a lot because one Williams got hurt it was just a a very very, I think Dante Johnson played some defensive snaps. If uh, if I remember correctly, I might be off on that, but um, this is just a very very different defense than that one. And I think you really saw that on Sunday. They are playing excellent excellent football, and it, that wasn't a fluke. Like Dallas shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, but the Niners has made plays too, and they kept Dallas from ever getting in a rhythm.
4: I'm really impressed with D'Amico Ryan's. Me too. Like really impressed. Like first year coordinators typically aren't this good schematically. And yeah. I think he's got the combination of being really good schematically, being really good at making adjustments, but also having uh, sort of the interpersonal skills to like get the most out of guys. Right. Cause sometimes that's a rare combination. Sometimes with coordinators, you have like a really brilliant schematic mind who isn't great, you know, like motivating guys or getting guys up for games or just like being able to coach on a on a level and during the week and communicate and all that stuff. But because Ryans was a former player, he knows exactly what that takes. But mm-hmm. schematically, it's like it, it always, you aren't seeing, you, you remember like 2018, it was Robert Sala's second year. But the thing, one of the things about the defense in 2018 was aside from the lack of pass rush, because Nick Bosa, that was before Nick Bosa got there. There were just coverage busts all the time. There were communication issues. There was Akella Witherspoon with his palms in the air being like, what just happened, right? And that was even, like Richard Sherman was on that team and they were Mm -hmm. having communication issues seemingly every week. And you have a first-year coordinator now and a new secondaries coach in Corey Unlin, who I'm still not entirely sure how good Corey Unlin is. Not sold. But, like, there aren't coverage busts. And it's like Dak Prescott with one of the best array of weapons in the league And, you know, one of the best passing games in the league is like really struggling to find receivers downfield. And the 49ers are scheming up pass rushes just through games and stunts and twists and all of that. That's like really effective with guys who aren't like super duper talented. Like they, you know, it's not, it's not like the five first round picks that they had, you know, in 2019, like they have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and that's it. Really? Like Arn Key, kind of off the scrap heap. Samson Ebucam, like five million dollar a year player. It's not like they're they're as loaded as they were in 2019 when they had, you know, a healthier D Ford and DeForest Buckner. So You're like, starting a team. Oh, go ahead. No, so it's just I, I just think D'Amico Ryan's has done a phenomenal job. And um you I mean, he's getting head coaching interviews.
1: Yeah, with uh, the Vikings, I think he has one.
4: Yeah, he's interviewing with the Vikings. So it'll be, you know, kind of remains to be seen, like if that's going to be a uh, a real interview or just something to make Minnesota Rooney Rule compliant.
1: But but the fact that they picked out D'Amico Ryan's of all the coaches just goes to show that people are impressed with what he's done. And I think that that's kind of been the case all year, especially when you look at kind of the injuries they dealt with at linebacker and with jason Ferret going down in week one they've had to piece together a secondary all year drake kirkpatrick played real snaps josh norman played a lot of snaps (laughs) and
4: here they are niners played in probably the best division in the nfl with three really good quarterbacks and the niners finished third in defense with a cornerback group that is not good by like in like relative to the rest of the league. Right. Like we've talked so much about their cornerback situation and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, the 49ers can hang with anybody because their defense is really good. Well,
1: Emmanuel Mosey's back and Emmanuel Mosley is playing really well. And Ambry Thomas is just like a good player now.
4: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. All right.
1: And if you have two legitimate starting corners, that changes a lot. It was when they had corners that like, Josh Norman and draker patrick Patrick were was going to be a problem.
4: Yeah, because you feel- or Fabry
1: Thomas didn't get markedly better. Which you he feel did.
4: you feel good about the safeties, especially if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And you feel really good about the linebacker situation. Now we don't know about Fred Warner's injury, but like Aziz Alshar and Drake Greenlot are very good second and third yeah, linebackers for you.
1: Right. If you're having to roll with those two as your starting linebackers, like they would probably both start on a lot of teams. Right. Like that's that's a that's a good that's a good sign for San Francisco. If you're starting a team right now, are you taking Dak Prescott or Arden Key?
4: I like this bit. We talked about we talked about the this. It
1: was really bit good bit on Saturday <laughs> after golf.
4: Um I did. yeah, I mean Arden Key, like Chris Kasurik's done a great job.
1: It's I, I just I was I ran that bit to get us back to the defensive line. They Chris were Kassurek... so
4: freaking good on Sunday. Chris, because probably deserves a raise. I don't know how much money he makes. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a decent amount, but I mean, this is, this is pretty remarkable, right? Like turning Arden key into a super valuable player for them is massive. Like Samson, Abucam being a, a actual contributor is enormous. Like Arden, like Eric Armstead, having the best stretch of his season and that, I don't think it's particularly close. Like, I know he had he mm-hmm. led the team in sacks in, in 2019, but it always felt like he was sort of benefiting from everybody around him, right? Like, I, I, yeah. it feels like at least half of Eric Armstead's sacks in 2019 were, like, cleanup sacks. Yeah. And now he's, like, a force. Yeah. And, like, a, like a real force on the interior. And then if you just look at the way they're executing, it's, it's, just, it's just super impressive.
1: And what they're doing against the run Remember week one, the Lions gashed them on the ground. And the takeaway was like, oh, the 49ers might have trouble stopping the run this year. And then Javon Kinlaw goes out and it's like they don't have bodies inside like this is rough. And then they cut Zach Kerr and it's like, I don't know what they're going to do to try and stop the run. And now here they are like they just what the Cowboys have like 77 yards on 21 carries. They just never got it going on the ground.
4: Zeke Elliott, 31 yards and 12 carries. Um, He's washed, dude.
1: Zeke is cheeks.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. Um, but he did like, not look good. They allowed 163 rushing yards to Arizona in that Colt McCoy game. And then it was 52, 54, 67, 146 with exactly half of those coming against the Seahawks when they allowed that um, 73-yard fake punt touchdown, 86 rushing yards to the Bengals, 62 against Atlanta, 90 against Tennessee, 86 against Houston, 64 against the Rams, and 77 today. So they went from like a three-game stretch where it was 148 rushing yards, 176 rushing yards, 163 allowed to like, a third to a half that in every game for the rest of the season. Not counting the the rushing touchdown, which skewed the the, the fake punt touchdown in Seattle that skewed this, those stats. So, yeah, I mean, for a team that plays wide nine too, like that's, that's the crazy thing. Wide nine is regarded as like a very difficult defense to run if you're trying to stop the run. Like by definition, right. wide nine is – creating very wide gaps between your defensive linemen because your defensive ends are so wide the fact that the 49ers can defend the run as well as they do while implementing the wide nine is a testament to their coaching it's a testament to how well just that they're playing overall and just the personnel like it's very impressive so yeah just just very like it's it's a defense that's better than the sum of its parts right like if you were to go player by player, you'd be like, yes. yeah, that guy's solid, that guy's solid. But like they had, it felt like, and we talked about it all during the season and in the off season, it felt like their cornerback situation was a serious liability. And it was early on, but now it's like they're piecing it together.
1: Yeah, healthy, nice. healthy Emmanuel Mosley and the emergence of Avery Thomas just changes the calculus of this defense immensely. Totally. Because now it's like, okay, yeah, they're getting a good pass rush. Oh, and they have two very capable corners and a good slot corner. Overreaction to Cam One Williams' side. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I feel like I said, it is remarkable how where we were at after that week nine loss to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals, where we were at with this team, and where we're at now. Because we're at the point now and what they did Sunday. And again, we'll talk about this more during the week, but after Sunday and how the 49ers played it's like, oh yeah, they can go into Green Bay and win.
4: Yeah, they definitely can.
1: With their defense playing at this level, with their run game operating the way it's operating I I don't know they're they're just super hard to beat.
4: Yeah. I don't think I'll pick them this week, but I'm with you in that they can win. Like, it is absolutely insane to think about what the conversation was and what I wrote early on in the year. It was like the 49ers at some point need to just play Trey Lance because they need need to either develop Trey Lance or make the playoffs. And it didn't look like they were doing either of those things when they're losing four straight. And now it's like, man, they have a history against Green Bay, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they can go in and beat Green Bay potentially and be in the NFC championship game. They went from four straight losses in three and five to now win away from the NFC title game. That is wild to think about. Um with
1: no like it's not like they traded for a different quarterback or did something drastic. Like they just started playing better.
4: <laughs> it was like their their trade deadline acquisition was running back Debo Samuel.
1: And also Charles Amenahou, and also who
4: had a
1: Charles sack Amenahou. and a half. Yeah. He had a sack and a half.
4: And tonight. he's probably going to have to play a lot on, on Saturday, too. Um, How wild is it, though? Like, Debo Samuel was one of the best receivers in the league from a production standpoint. Like, he would, there were the first few weeks he was getting some insane target share, like 33% or whatever. It was like the highest right. in the league or second highest right. by an only Cooper Cup or something. And then mid-season, you take your best receiver and turn him into a running back, basically. And he becomes, like, one of the best running backs in the league.
1: That touchdown run he had today was unbelievable. He, he got to the corner. Yeah. It was stacked up. And so he cut back inside, but, like, weaved his way back to the cutback lane. And then cut it upfield and just outran two defenders who had angles on him.
4: It's it's super surprising how effective it is because when he's in the backfield, you're like, all right, Debo's getting it. Like it's like you can, I mean, they 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 actually ran a couple of play action checks with Debo in the backfield, which was I thought notable for sure. But it's it's like the Niners can say, Yeah, we're giving the ball to Debo and you still can't stop it, which is wild to think about, even crazier they almost converted a third and 10 running or that reverse play to Debo. Like that almost just won them the game. It was two inches short of just winning him the game. And then they made the mistake to with Jimmy Garoppolo snapping the ball too quickly on the fourth down quarterback sneak. But like, what player in the league do you give a handoff to on third and 10 when you absolutely have to have it and you absolutely cannot throw a pass and feel good about, like, yeah, we're probably going to get this first down here. Or at least we're going to come damn close.
1: I think I have an answer. I think the Chiefs would do that with Tyreek Hill.
4: You think they're running a reverse to Tyreek? Maybe maybe not a reverse. You're like a jet sweep, but I, it was like 10 yards. It maybe was Jamar third Chase. And, third and 10. But, like, you give Jamar Chase, like, it was, I was watching... But to you- to to your point,
1: that was a just like end around straight handoff here. Go get some yards. It wasn't like a like some crazy double reverse. It wasn't. It, it was just like, hey, here's a here's effectively a, an outside zone.
4: It was a go flip, make a play. It was a flip version of the play. It looked like anyway a flip version of the play they ran against the Seahawks in Week 17 in 2019 mm, when Dio yeah. scored a touchdown. Yeah. Cause you had, you had a pulling offensive lineman and you had George Kittle in front of him throwing blocks. Like it was very well designed and set up, but I mean, third intent, like that's, it's, it happened a couple of times against the Rams. Not, not in that game uh last week, but like in 20, in 2020 for sure. But just like game on the line, third and medium or third and long, and you're running the ball to Debo Samuel and he just barrels through guys and almost gets it. It's not like that's like It's just to, not a
1: thing that should happen.
4: He it's honestly like it's the lasting image I'll take from this game. Like the fact you can give the ball to Debo Samuel on third and 10. I know he was like two inches short, but they initially ruled that he that he got the first down. That's the lasting image I'll have like Debo Samuel scoring and then potentially getting that first down right there. Like he that's just crazy like i don't want to get like too hyperbolic about debo but i i I feel similar to debo right now as i did like about george kittle in 2019 because kittle Mm. went from like okay really good tight end he set the record in 2018 whatever but kittle kind of became like all right like this guy's a legend in like 49ers lore at -hmm. this point for what he did in 2019 kittle's at that point for me right now yeah like, I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not sure any other player is going to wear 19 for the 49ers. Like, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's that's where it feels like this is going. Like, maybe this... Wow. Is, and who knows? I mean, the, the the contract stuff with Debo is going to be fascinating, right?
1: Very interesting.
4: And we can talk about that in the offseason. Because
1: it's like, it's like, you don't want to pay running backs. So what do you do?
4: You don't want to pay running backs, and you definitely... Don't want to pay guys with like lengthy injury histories, but you also like if a dude is just one of the best players in the league, you want to pay him. He's
1: a goddamn baller.
4: <laughs> he just runs you just know run through that,
1: dudes. It would be really because the thing with Debo is it's not like oh you just replace them. It's not like a running back where you say oh you can just replace that running back, or it's not just some generic receiver where it's like oh just go get a couple more receivers and somebody will step up in that produce like that
4: right
1: he is very uniquely skilled in a way that like you've talked about this on the podcast before like every every receiver in the draft is going to be the next devo samuel or there are going to be receivers in the draft oh this guy's he's the next Devo Samuel. like "Mm, probably not It's not just that they hand in the ball. It's that he runs it effectively or as effectively as he does. And just the fact that the the perfect Debo Samuel thing was him calling his shot on the touchdown. Where according to Debo Samuel, quote, when K1 got the interception, I looked at Kyle and said, hey, just give me the ball. I got you. I went out there and next play, I scored. And then Shanahan's version of that was right before he went out there, he just mouthed something to me, which I kind of guessed was give me the ball. When I look at him talking that way, it's extremely motivating, and he makes it a lot easier to call plays. You don't just let that guy walk and go like, yeah, we'll see if Brandon Ayuk can do it.
4: And like all of his rushing touchdowns feel like they're from like 16 to like 30 yards. Mm Mm-hmm and it's like you you know it's coming at some point but it always works like i feel like this is a valid question and again i'm really not trying to be hyperbolic but i feel like it's valid is debo samuel the best player in the league with the ball in his hands right now or is he like top three uh
1: like pound for pound i think he's the best like but it's really hard it's really it's really hard to look at like derrick henry and jonathan taylor yeah But But I mean, but he's one of those three, right? Is there a receiver? Let's put it this way. Is there a receiver that if you just have a third and four? Like, is there a receiver you'd
4: rather have? The drops are the only thing, right? Like he does have, he had an inordinate amount of drops. I don't care about drops.
3: Do you want to know how?
4: Right, but I don't remember any of them. I remember a few, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's a fair question. No, I think, I think on third and four, given how many different ways you can use him. like, yeah, he's one of, I mean, he's a, he was a first team all pro. So clearly he's like one of the two or three best receivers in the league. Right. Right now. So fascinating to see because he's due for an extension for the first time. Like Amari Cooper is getting 20 million a year. If you just were to try to place value on Debo Samuel and what he's meant to the 49ers, like he's absolutely in that realm. But to your point, paying running backs is really scary. And eventually, I mean, who knows? But eventually it feels well, like Debo Samuel's not going to be able to play that way his entire career. Right. But like if you're the you you have to pay him. Yes, I was very skeptical, given the injury stuff, because he dealt with injuries in college, and he had twenty twenty basically derailed by injuries. Very skeptical about the idea of paying Debo, and even midway through this season, I was like, "Well, Debo, you probably like, you know, not signing this off and and you know, you could always give him the franchise tag if you have to." But now it's like, man, you might want to lock him up before the cap really spikes and receivers start to make twenty eight million a year. Which is going to come at some point over the next three or four years. So, like, man, if you can lock Debo in for 20, like maybe it seems like a lot now, but
1: there's no chance he takes 20.
4: You think he's getting more than 20? Yes. Because we'll see. He's going to pull the Le'Veon Bell move. I
1: played both of these positions. I should be compensated as such.
4: He called himself this week um, a wide back.
1: Isn't that a Sir Mix-a-Lot song? <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, yeah. Someone asked him what you know, what position he thinks he plays, and and he said, "I play wide back." Which totally. I mean, yeah. Two side bends
1: or sit ups. Just please don't lose that wide back.
4: <laughs> uh, let's let's do pick six on that note.
1: Wide back girls, you make the rockin' world go round. Shout out Freddie Mercury. Tyler, hit the thing, please, and get me out of this. <laughs> get me out of these.
4: Have you gone back and watched the the Baby Got Back music video recently? I didn't hear what you said.
1: I said, of course, it's hilarious.
4: Okay, you cut out for a second. Yeah, I, I, then the last, there was, I don't know, six months ago or something. I went back and (laughs) rewatched it with a friend and it was like, this is the funniest thing ever.
1: I just got a message on my computer that said, your internet connection is unstable. And I'm like, yeah, same, bro, but I'm still working. Let's go. Like, come on. (laughs) That's why that's
4: why we lost you for a sec. But yeah, probably. Pick six.
1: Yeah. Okay. Pick six. I think you won this week because you had Debo. The strategy in pick six is to pick
4: Debo first. (laughs) (laughs) At this point. That's that's the new strategy. Yeah, at this point you pick Debo first, and there's a good chance you win. So I had Debo first. Um I don't think I wrote him down this pulling week. up pulling up his stats 72 rushing yards on 10 carries he had 10 carries it's it still blows my mind he
1: was just like the running back to start the game
4: yeah there, I, yeah it was, he got like two straight I think to start and I was like are they gonna give Debo Samuel like 25 carries today <laughs> I thought it was
1: com- <laughs> I thought it was coming
4: yeah I was fully ready like
1: oh yeah Elijah Mitchell's banged up his knee in in pregame so Debo's just the running back now Healthy scratch, Trey Sermon, Debo
4: Samuels <laughs> in 72 yards on 10 carries. Uh, he had three catches for 38 yards. You really, you really need to see more from Debo in the passing game. Um, I'm just I, kidding. I,
1: <laughs> hey, if just on this, since, since we're talking about Debo right now, mm-hmm. if they did that, if they just said, Hey, you are the running back for, you're just going to get 20 carries. Do you think at some point there would be a, a point of diminishing returns where, like, at some point he wouldn't average seven yards a carry anymore?
4: Or is that just what he would do? I think it would be really tough to average 7.2 yards per carry if you got, like, 15 or 20.
1: Right. And you're, I mean... Like, at some point you'd run out of creative ways to give him the ball and you're just running your regular run plays
4: and every run is a five car pileup. right so like you're you probably have a hard time keeping him healthy i mean he's been he's been relatively healthy throughout all this so far but i don't
1: care about that and i don't, i just i want to know could if, he if you gave him 20 carries a game could he, would he run for 140
4: yards? yards it wouldn't shock me honestly i'd be pretty shocked <laughs> Like, if he had, like, would it shock you if he had 20 carries in Green Bay and, like, 140 yards and two touchdowns with that? Oh, would it
1: shock? I would be shocked, not at the production, but that they gave him 20 carries. Right. Because that's just a full-blown position change. Like, now he's not even a receiver anymore. <laughs> no, he's a pass-catching running back at that it's, point.
4: It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, Debo Samuel, go-ahead, touchdown. He's just, he's very good.
1: Very he's good. hes just anything that you think Debo Samuel is, like that's just what he is and probably a little bit better.
4: Yeah, and they're like you using him as a decoy now a little bit more than they were earlier. It's like, man, you can get really disgusting.
1: They did that. So. They did that. They did that play today in the shotgun where it was Debo on Garoppolo's left. And Mitchell on his right. And Garoppolo takes a snap and like does a hard turn to his right and hands it to Mitchell. But Debo had run behind Garoppolo. And Garoppolo kept going, like he was tossing it to Debo. And it was wide open for Mitchell. The entire yeah. defense bit on the Debo.
4: And it was just, it was just a straight handoff to Elijah Mitchell. Even Debo's touchdown, it was Mitchell went in motion. He did the orbit motion <laughs> to the left, and Leighton Vanderesh followed him. And Debo had a cutback lane in part because Van Der Esch wasn't even there. He was on the other mm-hmm. side of the field covering Mitchell. So just like the way Kyle Shanahan can create running lanes and exploit matchups and make the defense off balance is just very unique. And given how talented the 49ers skill guys are and how well the offensive line plays, like this is, it's pretty special what they're doing right now considering where they were early in the year yeah maybe it's just Kyle Shanahan's offense is just really tough to learn and it takes like eight weeks to figure it out during the regular season
1: I would recommend they not wait eight weeks every year to get rolling
4: but it might be like this playoff run it might be that like this builds enough equity to be like all right maybe we don't need to like react to losses in September and October like we did this year right Well, I react to losses in the first half, so. You do, yeah. (laughs) Text from Kyle in an August week two preseason game. This is a disaster. How's Shanahan going to survive this? Oh, come on. (laughs) Give me a little credit. I I know, I'm kidding. Uh, What was my first pick? Like I said, I didn't write him down this week. Uh, You took Nick Bosa second. Yikes. Tough. I mean, he was good. He He was, was and then he got concussed. Yeah, that
1: was, a then tough, left the game. that was a tough play. I would have I think he would have had more than one sack
4: had he stayed in the game. I agree. I agree. He's 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 also just down like if you just watch down in and down out Nick Bosa, he's like just horrifying for the offense to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it has such ripple effects to everybody else but he's such a unique talent. Like he's so good at what he does. He's good. Like just all around, like that's what I think makes him so good is like, he has the quickness. He can Mm -hmm. win with a bunch of different moves as a pass rusher. Yeah. And he's really good against the run. And he's really smart in terms of like diagnosing plays as they happen, creating game plans against individual opponents. He's going against like, he's just everything you want in an edge player. He's very good. And the 49ers are really good player. Obviously need him. Yeah. IMO.
1: I don't want to say they have no chance if he doesn't play against Green Bay, but I like their chances a lot less.
4: Yeah, we'll see. It didn't sound like listening to the post game pressers that there was a ton of concern about um, Bosa long term, but we'll see. You never really know. With mm, yeah. Um, I picked third, and I took Jimmy Garoppolo. Which accompanied e. a season long may a Look, he was bad in the second half for sure, but he was pretty good in the first half, I thought. Okay. He was.
1: That great. He threw a backbreaking interception and missed Brandon Ayuk wide open down the sideline.
4: I mean, it wasn't and it's that backbreaking.
1: They, they, they immediately the scored game. a touchdown and got back in the game.
4: They still won. That's the
1: only reason that was a game.
4: (laughs) 11 of 14, 133 yards in the first half. I think good in the first half. I mean, look, they're riding with Jimmy. Like, it's not, they're not going back now.
1: Well, obviously. He just wasn't very good on Sunday. It wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and he's really good against the Packers next
4: week. I'm just very curious to see how his thumb reacts to the cold. I don't know what you can do with a torn ligament in your thumb when you play quarterback in the NFL and you have to go to Green Bay and play in five-degree weather. Yeah, I have no idea. Does he glove up?
1: I doubt it. Didn't he try wearing gloves against the Colts? It was a disaster.
4: Oh, in the rain? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe he wraps it up more or something and makes sure. Maybe he'll get the cool Josh Allen jersey with the hand warmer stitched in.
4: He was wearing Which was cool as hell. He had two hand warmers. He had like the normal like fanny pack hand warmer thing, and then also the built in one. I was like, the built in. Are there, are there two really different? Cool. I've never seen that. Are there two different temperatures going on here? Do you have like yeah. hot and super hot in your hand warmers? Like what's going? Maybe,
3: on?
1: maybe, maybe. Maybe Get he those. just thinks it looks really cool.
4: Get Josh on the horn. Uh,
1: hand warmer on the back. Underrated cool quarterback equipment. Football accessory. Yeah. I like the hand warmer spun to the back. Yeah. I'm big on that. Jimmy Garoppolo was not good.
4: He was good in the first half and not good in the second half.
1: He was abysmal he was bad, in the second
4: half. Bad in the second half. Yeah. But it's, it it's very tough. It's what you're going to get.
1: You're not getting credit for a good pick on this. I'm sorry.
4: I didn't say it was a good pick. I just Okay. I, I, I've made the pick more or less to just give us a talking point about Jimmy Garoppolo and give me an opportunity to have mm. a man because ultimately Trey Lance probably isn't doing what Jimmy Garoppolo did in LA last week. No, probably not. What he might have if he started all year. I'll, I'll maintain. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where uh, you
1: landed on that whole debate?
4: <laughs> what? I don't think you ever talked about it. Yeah, no, we hadn't talked about it at all. <laughs> Um, you had Brandon night next. I feel really good about this. Five catches, six targets, sixty-six yards,
1: um, and absolutely flambéed Trayvon
4: Diggs like twice. Trayvon Diggs was pretty much a non-factor today.
1: Total non-factor. Like got the most. The most notable thing he did was get walloped by Jawan Jennings on a block.
4: Yeah, I'm impressed. With probably should have gotten flagged. I'm, I'm impressed with John Jackson. We can talk about him. But He's a yeah, monster. I mean, if I if Ayuk was hit in stride on third and 11 when he put Diggs in a blender, like that's what? 30, 40. He ran a little
1: yards. like in and then up. And as soon as he went in, Diggs sprinted to that spot like the ball was out. It was horrible. I don't. I am I don't claim to know the cornerback position like inside and out but I'm fairly certain that's not the way you're supposed to play
4: that (laughs) it's not when you're running in phase
1: when you're running downhill toward the line of scrimmage as the receiver is running upfield toward the end zone (laughs) that feels like you have put yourself in a bad position and uh there was the other play the one where Garoppolo did connect with Ayuk down the field where I, you ran that uh, little like cross and then up and Diggs just never ran up with him. He just kept running with the cross.
4: That's, that's what like that play where him just getting open like that on that third and 11 was why, like he did that early on in training camp the entire time. And he did it against the chargers in one-on-one drills when they had joint practices down in LA. And it was mm-hmm. like, this dude is a really good route runner. And what, helps him in his route running is just how explosive he is in and out of his breaks Mm -hmm. and to see him do that in august and just like be virtually uncoverable is what made the start of the season so confounding. right because like there were practices open practices like fans who went to open practice it was like brandon Ike was making like six catches a game a a day and just Mm -hmm. being like wide open i was like yeah brandon Ike is gonna be a baller this year and then, for yeah. whatever reason, it tailed off. Um, but yeah, so weird. I took uh, I went chalk and took George Kittle next. I mean, a good blocking day for Kittle. There yeah, were f- what? there were a few on Micah Parsons that were like really good.
1: Micah Parsons is a hell of a player, by the way.
4: Yes, he is.
1: Um, the disappearance of George Kittle in the passing game is fascinating. Like, he's just been a non-factor for four consecutive weeks.
4: I think he's just occupying so much attention that, like, he's double teamed more often than not, and teams know, like, he's the guy you have to stop in the passing game, or that's typically been the story when you play Mm the 49ers in recent seasons. And now they can, they have enough guys, whether it's Ayuk or Jennings or even Debo, like, you have guys to compensate for a lack of, production from kittle and you can still get what you need and kittle will still block like kittle kittle doesn't need targets i'm sure he'd love to have 150 yards a game but he doesn't need the targets right um so it's fascinating because you do wonder like all right is this is there going to be a game where like okay if you're a defense you you double debo every time he runs a route and then is George Kittle going to have one of these 140-yard games that we used to see him have all the time? Is Maybe. going to happen in these playoffs? Maybe. Might happen against happening. Green
1: Bay. I'm not sure they can cover him.
4: Yeah. But, I mean, a very – I thought Kittle had a good game even though he only had one catch. Mm-hmm. The fumble was a little scary at that point. But it wasn't actually a fumble because it was an incomplete pass.
1: Yeah, it was an incomplete pass because Garoppolo had to throw it eight yards.
4: It the was a slow, weird play. the slow mo, the slow mo of that one was not was not it's great. So
1: weird, guy, man. It's I don't.
4: He I don't, lost his confidence wanna... in the second half after yes. throwing that pick. He seemed like his confidence was shot because that was that's a layup throw that he makes all the time.
1: Yes. And the throw to Kittle was looked very much like a, I need to really aim this. It's like, bro, it's a screen. Let it rip. Let's get it there.
4: The six-yard duck. Yeah, it's was not great. Probably better off because he dropped it. Yeah, or because it was a fumble. But I mean, maybe he doesn't fumble if that's a good pass. Anyway, uh, you rounded out pick six with our guy Jawan Jennings. Yeah, I sure did. Three catches. Great right about it. Twenty-nine yards.
1: All third-down conversions. Yeah, and just a monster blocker.
4: Yeah. I mean, we spent all season. I'm a big hard.
1: Juwan Jennings guy, dude. He's really, really good. And Jimmy Garoppolo likes him on third downs. I think he'll like him in the red zone once they start throwing the ball in the red zone. Um, <laughs> Score from I inside just, the red zone. Juwan
4: Jennings is an excellent football player. I agree. I think they really nailed that one. I do too. Because they needed to. Like, they needed to nail it really badly. Yeah. Um, speaking of nailing it, how about our guy Travis Benjamin with a catch on the first drive?
1: Yeah, I you know we talked about it all week on the pod. Get Travis Benjamin involved early, <laughs> and they did that, and they won. Want to know this season when Travis Benjamin has a catch on the first drive?
4: Um, two of Jimmy Garoppolo's worst throws of the day were intended for Trent Sherfield. Just wanted to point it out. He had the the interception, and then he had the one that was. Tips that looked like it would have been picked by the guy behind the guy oh, who tipped. Man. It. So maybe not force feeding Trent field. Yeah. I maybe, think that's probably a good maybe call.
1: Not. Maybe not. Anything else on this game?
4: <sighs> I feel like I've said a lot of things I've already said about like all these guys, but it's just some, it's impressive, man. It was a really impressive one. Considering where they were and and now looking at what they've accomplished the last couple of weeks, like it's it's impressive. They're no. unequivocally is... one of the four best teams in the NFC.
1: Yes, and that's what when you talk about this season and whether the season was successful or not. Like they not only made the playoffs, but they won on the road and they won a playoff game against a team a lot of smart NFL people thought were going to the Super
3: Bowl. Yeah.
1: And like Dallas played their starters in the final week of the season because they needed to get back in a groove and then they hang 50 or whatever it was on the Eagles. People were like, watch out for the Cowboys. They figured it out again. And then they score 17 on the Niners. I I, I just, you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. And for the 49ers, as bad as it looked like this to me, like this season's a win.
4: So I was going to ask you that, and I'm glad you brought it up. So no matter what happens Saturday in Green Bay, the season is a su- success in your eyes for the four Yeah, I think so. I think so too.
1: I think I think right now where I sit with a with a clear head. Um, <laughs> ask me that if they lose to the Packers by 30, or if they
3: fall they
4: behind by two scores in the first half on Saturday.
1: <laughs> right, right. If one bad thing happens in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> If a minor inconvenience happens.
4: If Shanahan blows a fourth down call, Kyle's going to be like, I'm so sick of this guy. Let's fire him. Let's get him out. <laughs> fire his ass.
1: Um, it's worse during A's games. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that too.
4: Okay, but I think that's you. that's that's warranted. Yeah, thanks.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I think so. Like, you want a playoff game. And if you lose to the number one seed
4: in Green Bay, like, okay. Yeah. If you, if you lose to the number one seed and the likely MVP and it's two degrees outside and your quarterbacks hurt, like, I just have a hard time being like, well, this season was a failure. I don't know. Yeah. I think if you're a good team, that's sort of the line, right? Like getting to the divisional round, yeah. being one of the yeah. four best teams in your conference. Cause it, like, there's no backing into that spot. Yeah. You either yep. earn it during the regular season with the with the one seed, or you you know, win a playoff game and get there. Yep. yep. Successful 49er season, who would have thought back when they were three not and five and, and losing to Colt McCoy at home.
1: Yeah, that's a crazy, crazy thought. Anything else on this game? No. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Subscribe, rate, review. If you have not, we'll be back with the pod on Wednesday. Our midweek pod, and then we'll have another one for you previewing the 49ers Packers game on Friday.
3: See you.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.